Hello everyone and welcome to the All In Football Podcast. You're with me, your host, Cully Matharu. As always with me today, we have Scott Williams, Tom Hughes and Alex Rex. Uh, if you want to give us a follow on social media, you can do so on All In Football Pod on Instagram and All In Football P on Twitter. Now, first of all, apologies that we did say last week that we would talk about the player of the season and some other topics as well, but there is literally only one thing we could possibly talk about this week in what has been a seismic week in every football fan's life, really. Of course, I'm talking about the emergence of the Super League and the thankful fall of it, it seems. Now, these last few days have been uh, a quite a surreal experience for pretty much every football fan, and uh, I'm sure plenty of people have been questioning their own love for their own club, uh, I certainly being one of those fans. Um, I just want to start off, boys, by my Liverpool's perspective, if you don't mind. Um, I started supporting Liverpool Football Club when I was five years old. Um, I remember the, the catalyst of that being the Liverpool-Newcastle 4-3 at Anfield, I'm sure you'll all remember. Um, I only remember, remember flickers of that game, but the, the few memories that I love and cherish from it was seeing the fans singing You'll Never Walk Alone for the first time, seeing the connections from the fans to the team. It was pretty much like magic to a, a five-year-old boy, really. Um, now, I may not live in the city or I wasn't born there, but my club means more than any, anything to me. And the values and the morals of the club, the mantra of you'll never walk alone, the history of coming from working-class people, Bill Shankly, Bob Paisley, Kenny Dalgleish, Stephen Gerrard, these owners were prepared to wipe 100-plus years of all that, that those memories into distant memory, and it's unforgivable. So from my point of view, the apology is not accepted. This is a stain on the club that will now live forever, and it is because of those owners. They are not Liverpool Football Club. They will never be our memories. They will never be our colours. They will never be our crest. They are imposters. They will never be the fans. They will walk alone, and they will never walk with us. And I'm sure that's a sentiment that millions of Liverpool fans will reside with across the world. Uh, now I'm aware that we're not the only club involved and there's many uh, fans and clubs that are affected by this. And Alex, you're one of those fans, mate. Um, we're supposed to be arch rivals in football, but this past week we've been allies in a, a fight against a common, common enemy. Um, from a United perspective, then, mate, your thoughts on your club's owners' actions and Ed Woodward on this saga. So, uh, from a Manchester United perspective, we um, we as a club were debt-free before the Glazers took over. Basically, they uh, smashed us into uh, half a billion pounds worth of debt by refinancing against the club. Uh, and, um, yeah, they Sir Alex Ferguson papered over the cracks amazingly well. He won three titles in five years and did amazing, uh, with David Gill backing him. And then, obviously, those guys uh, left, the, the the boss, the man, and uh, David Gill left with him. And then we've got Ed Woodward, who's uh, who's taken over. Uh, and uh, and ever since then, as you can imagine, it's not gone incredibly well. And, and to be honest, I'm not surprised remotely. <laughs> not not at all. The Glazers have been all about money. They've been taking money out of the club for years and years and years and years and years. We've made billions of pounds as a club like Manchester United, and we're still half a billion pounds worth of uh, worth of debt. So it's a joke. It's a farce, and I am not surprised one bit. I'm really glad Woodward's gone or going to go. Um, he's not a football man, as you can tell. We've been a 
joke and a shambles in the transfer market. And I think it's, uh, and he was obviously all for this, um, formerly employed by JP Morgan, why are we all not surprised? And he was heavily involved in this one. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can move forward from it as a club in that sense. But I'm not surprised. The Glazers will stick about. They'll milk Manchester United dry. And unfortunately, we're all very happy that the Super League's not going to go ahead. But it's not going to stop more things coming in the future, unfortunately. This has been kind of a thing that with you guys has been going on since 2005, hasn't it? When the the Glazers... Oh, actually bought your club. Um, is it? Uh, it's been a bit of a, sl- a split, hasn't it, between the fans in terms of Glazers in and out? Is that right? It depend- yeah, it depends on, on what your perspective is on it because I think a lot of people are football fans and they like to watch good football and they, they go there and they watch Match of the Day and Sky Sports and everything else and it's great. Where there are other fans that like to take a bit more of an interest in the in the business side of the game and I don't think either's right or either's wrong. I think you, you like football for the reason that you like football. Um, and that pretty much tends to be the split. The split tends to be the ones who look at it from more of a business perspective and a longevity perspective of the club tend to be the ones that go on oh, glazes out and the ones that just really like the fact that we buy millions, hundreds of millions of pounds worth of players and, and all that sort of stuff. Are the ones that say we're not bothered, the Glazers have invested money, et cetera, et cetera, and they've taken us on a on a global stage and everything else, and they've done they've done great. But the uh, the green and gold brigade and all, and all of that, you know, that we're all anti the Glazers. They, being, they made yeah. their own club, didn't they? The the yeah, uh, F- FC United of Manchester in two thousand five. Yeah, it, it, and yeah, you know, it's it's a stance that it's the stance they take and. I mean, I don't. I just, I genuinely don't know. The Glazers are just going to be there, and they're going to milk the club dry. And there's all this hope that they're going to be forced out. But you know, they're they're bullies. They they forced out the remaining shareholders when they took over the remainder of the club. Anyway, they they're all about the money. They're not about the club. So, yeah. The the FC United of Manchester was an interesting one. I thought it felt like there was a lot of momentum, and then no one could be asked for a couple of years. They they did really well at the beginning. They shot up for the leagues. Then they sort of stuttered. Um, I think maybe what they mm-hmm. conference north. I know they're not in the national league, but you look at other AFC Wimbledon that came from MK Dons. Uh, that was a club where the, the fans have just rallied behind it, and they've gone all the way up to League One. So was it just some class, some fans that wanted to make a stance and then actually wanted to go back to watching Premier League football? Do you think a few years later? I think you're right, Scott. In that sense, there is a bit of a bandwagon. From 2005, when it first started, everyone was was all for it, and then Manchester United kept winning things and winning titles and trophies and and everything else. And then people quite quickly forget about these things, don't they? Unfortunately. So, I mean, just I've got a question for you, Alex. If Man United had won something during this period, do you think you'd look at it the same way? Because that period that you had of unrivaled success on Fergie is kind of potentially tilted opinions, and now that's. That's the expectation of Man United fans. And because you haven't had success, everyone says, glazes out, glazes out, transfers are rubbish. But you've also spent ridiculous amounts of money, second only to City on transfers. You just haven't delivered any trophies. So if there was trophies in there, do you think the opinions would be different? Because I do. I think generally speaking, yeah. And that's mostly because I'd say 80%, 75% of the fans of the football club aren't... Uh, I don't look at it anywhere near as in depth as as, as the the people who actually look at the, the the business side of the club or the way the clubs run or anything else. Because the majority of football fans would sit there and just go, 
oh yeah, we're winning things. It's great, isn't it? And, and that is what they, they they tend to do at, at most clubs. But Manchester United, it's amplified even more because across the world, you've got millions and millions and millions of fans who are well, yeah, just they, they judge it based on success, and that's it. So yeah, I do think it would be would be different. I think there would be less Twitter hoo ha, and yeah, I do I agree with you to be honest. But if we then but then if we're talking about why they're bad owners and why they've run it badly, most people talk about the debt that they have, and obviously having that level of debt, not great. They've taken money out of the club, appreciate that, but they've also spent a huge amount of money. So. This is how all big football clubs are run these days. They all operate with debt. So I guess yeah, but, are they, but, but, are we but, saying but, that all those top owners are running the club. Yeah, poorly? yeah, exactly. It, it, we're not saying that's right. We're all saying that's wrong. That that's that's the that's the key to it. So uh, the, the Glazers have run the club. They put us into a load of debt, and they've had more than the capability of being able to pay that debt off. And they've decided not to do it. They've remained as in debt, and then they've taken out anything. Depends what report you read. Some of it's two hundred million they've taken out. Some of people say they've taken a billion out the club. But that, that's that's the it, it's just all wrong. And that's where that's when we look at the football pyramid. The pyramid. That's a wrong word. The the, the football clubs at the top of the pyramid. Uh, they're, they're broken the way that they run. And, and it's all about money, which is how the Super League started in the first place, which is how this all this nonsense came about anyway, because it's all about money. And it's all about how they can line their pockets more and keep a bigger share of it. Do you think that... Um, I I was having a chat with a, a few Liverpool mates the other day that are we complicit in allowing these guys to come into our club and do basically do what they like without actually challenging them I know Newcastle fans that have got similar with Mike Ashley and they've tried their damnedest to get him out, but he still won't go. But in terms of Liverpool fans, uh, we've had several occasions now with FSG where they've 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 mocked the ethos, they've mocked the, the traditions of the club, they've gone against that. The whole furlough scheme we had the in the summer, we had the, the ticket prices um, that were, were going up that we had a protest against. And, the, and luckily they've reversed those decisions. But how do you think that, Especially Liverpool and Manchester United fans are complicit in allowing like these billionaire owners to, to do what they like. This is the thing. This is the thing, Colin. But most people, most people don't care. Like we're doing a podcast because we care about football. We care about the. We care about the. Like most, and we then also listen and consume content from people that are similar to us, who also care a lot about it. So in our own minds, in our own little bubble and world, we sit here and go, "Oh, people really care. Loads of people care." I'm afraid they don't. The majority of people don't care, actually. And so are we complicit as individuals? Are you and I and whatever else? Because we're making content about football. <laughs> and whilst this is all going on, I mean, yeah, potentially so. But it's it's such a it's such a difficult question, isn't it? Let's be honest. And the problem is, is that most people don't care. So Yeah, I, I did hear something. I was listening to Talk Sport, um, obviously. Uh, you get a mix of opinions on there. But what I did hear was, you know, people saying that the fans have to, we're all talking about how fans save football and football's for the fans. Well, the fans are the ones that normally drive all the cries for all these big signings. I'm pretty sure if you go on most Man United posts before the Super League or any Liverpool posts, it's sign Mbappe, sign Sancho. It's just constant on it, right? And if you're an owner, yep. that's all you see. And I think that Perez, don't get me wrong, total knob if you're listening if you happen to listen to this podcast Perez you're a knob but one thing he did say is true is that 
a lot of young kids and you know people on social media and stuff like that they just want to see these big name signings and that's all it is about for them it's about success and big name signings and they don't care about anything else you know that's what it, that's what it is and he's he's right in separating when he calls them legacy fans that's the insult because he uses the wrong word but there are two different groups of fans there's football fans and there's i guess there's those mass media content fans who actually yeah, they're just, it's a different, it's two different target markets and he's not wrong in what he says that some people, we, we, part of the drive comes from us. And I'm, the biggest, I'm not, I'm not ruling myself out of that because I'm no, really no, not players as well. So. No, of course, I, I completely agree with you there, Tom, but, but and the majority of the people that you're talking about are, are the, uh, the, the, the old, the, 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 so, the social media, the big fancy fans, that's what they are, the majority of people are. That, so, and that's why they, they pander to that. Um, Scott, you're a Scunthorpe United fan, um, so you'll have different views to this to, to probably many people who support the, the big six clubs or even the Premier League clubs. If this whole thing came to reality and the Super League happened, what would it mean for clubs like Scunthorpe United um, and, and teams in the Football League? Uh, yeah, it would be it would be hell, mate, because you're talking about a league where, let's be honest, the, the teams would be either kicked out of the Premier League Hard to be playing the on the twelves, and who wants to watch that? So that's going to take so much money away from the Premier League, which does filter down to football league and grassroots. And it's been said millions of times this week: the timing with it is fucking criminal, criminal, because all these football league clubs, so many of them have furloughed staff. Some of them include Dover, have furloughed all the players. They can't afford to have their players playing week in, week out. So now more than ever, we need the Premier League and I need them clubs to unite and help the Football League out. Let me just read you a list of names. Accrington, Stanley, Aston Villa, Blackburn, Bolton, Burnley, Derby, Everton, Notts County, Preston, Stoke, West Brom, Wolves. They are the founding members of the Football League. Where's your top six in that list? Your so-called big boys. They aren't there. They're nowhere to be seen. But what for those teams, you wouldn't have a top six. You wouldn't have a Premier League. So it matters to them now because all they care about is their own pockets. But the legacy of football, it, it's all about the Football League. We look at other countries. They don't have the grassroots and the pyramid and the, the leagues that we have. It's incredible, the loyal fans. And yeah, it would kill teams. It would kick, it, Teams would go bust. My team, at a minute, we don't like our owner. Uh, Peter Swan, but he's backed us, he's financed us, and he's keeping us afloat. Um, and other other clubs, there's a club that's rumoured in League Two to be going into administration in the next couple of weeks. That's them probably getting relegated, potentially going out of business. So it's criminal. They don't care about these little clubs. You can ask the owners of these big boys. They won't have a clue to come for what United are, or majority yeah. of the football league clubs. They only give a shit about themselves, don't they? So yeah, it's criminal, and it's 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 frustrated me for that reason and this is exactly this is exactly why they have to have to have to get punished because the premier league are about to negotiate for a new round of tv funding and that is going to be negatively impacted by this regardless because there will be a fear from whoever's bidding on that that the super league clubs will try this again try pull away it devalues the, the, the contract and we're going to get less money in the british pyramid because of that and a lot of that money filters down so regardless of the fact this didn't happen 
it, it's going to have a negative financial impact. So you, at the very, very least, those clubs should be fine. But I just do not have faith in... And just, you know, let's get clear. I don't have faith in UEFA. I don't have faith in FIFA. They've all proven to be corrupt. But I don't have faith in any of them to, to deal with this properly. And the Super 6, you know... <laughs> They should be. They should be fine. There should be a huge fine. And to be honest, it should all filter down to the lower leagues because that's where this is going to hurt. That is where this is going to really hurt if they if they got through with it. So they should fine them, and and like I say, they should lower it down to the, uh, the football league. But the fans aren't going to care. Fans don't care about clubs getting fined. The majority don't. We do because, like Alex mentioned, we're like the the, the small minority core obsessed football fans. Majority don't care. Majority will look if oh why are Man City in the Champions League this season. Oh, they got banned. That will take notice. I think they should be banned for one season for the Champions League in Europe. I don't think any other club should. I don't think Leeds United should be in it. They haven't earned it. I think we should have a couple of clubs running in Europe this season. I think they should get banned for a year because that's that will re- make them realise what they've done. That will lose them, obviously, revenue from being banned. And I don't know, just be a wide awakening. And uh, who gets the European slots if you do that? No one, no one. We different. Well, you countries, reduce the different yeah, countries which didn't, you know, take the piss. Turkey, I don't care. Azerbaijan, um, whoever. Um, but we, your Leicester and your man, your West Ham, if they finish top four during the Champions League. But if they finish fifth and sixth, you're in Europa League. I think teams still it should be on merit, and you you, you shouldn't just be in it because other teams have effed up. Maybe if they cheated. Like on the pitch, that's a different story. But this, no, we just run with a couple of teams, and it is what it is for a year for me. I've, I think that that's a. I understand why you're saying that. There's not going to be a European ban, so I'll be clear there because Stefan's already said that there won't be. So there'll be no action from UEFA because they're just happy to have the clubs ban. So if you're expecting anything from UEFA in terms of bans, ain't going to happen. Only place this comes from is Premier League because for the Premier League, that's where the breach contract was. They left and set up another tournament. Actually, UEFA. Although, obviously, it pissed them off, there was nothing actually stopping them from going and doing that. It's the Premier League regulations that stop the clubs from going and doing that. So that's where they're going to hit them, in the Premier League. It's just not going to happen from UEFA. So the European conversation is mute, to be honest. Because Wasn't that, wasn't it, wasn't that bizarre, though, as well? Because, actually, they can't, they're, not going to punish, they're not going to punish them for European competition, but that was the competition they were going to leave. But they wanted to stay in the Premier League. But that's because I think I think when it comes down to it, I think when it comes down to it, Seferin's just happy to have them back in. Because imagine, he doesn't want to piss them off anymore, right? Because if he pisses them off anymore, then they'll keep trying. What he wants to do is try and bridge the gap because it's going to just diminish his power. Different situation for the Premier League because actually, with the best, let's be honest, the best football league in the world, there's the most money involved in it. And so, you know, we've got a bit more power to take action on them. Um, they don't want to lose their Premier League stars. Regardless of what people say, they wanted to move out into Europe and all this kind of stuff. They didn't. The Premier League is still the main one. It's the one everyone wants to win. It's the one with the most prestige. That's where they're going to hit them. And it's got to be the Premier League to take action. It has to be the Premier League. This is where it's broken, though. Like All of the clubs between them lose uh, £500 million a year and 90% of their income all goes on wages. Like They all all need each other because otherwise... The clubs can't operate if they're not making the money. Like it's just that this is why the, it, this whole system's broken. There needs to be salary caps uh, that needs to come in internationally, and they needed to do this years and years and years ago, and they haven't done it. And I said, even if you did a salary cap of half a million pound a week, and they brought it in when Ronaldo moved to Madrid in two thousand and eight or wherever it was, and they just they they, they just don't care. They just we don't. What they've done instead of fixing the the actual physical business problem that they've got. 
the the big six, which I think is a disgrace because they're not even the big six. They're, they're barely in the top 10, all of them. But then they're there going, oh, yeah, they paid £8 million to join the competition because they think it's going to fix all of their financial problems instead of sorting out their own fucking business model, which is a fucking joke anyway. But also, but also the salary caps, I do agree with you, they need salary caps. But actually, salary caps don't actually fix the problem. The problem is just running a sustainable business. All these clubs have tried to do is they've overspent built up huge debts and they then panicked in the middle of a crisis and, you know, made a knee-jerk reaction, which by the looks of it, they only decided to do on Sunday night because it was so fucking shit. All they've done is try to solve that instead of actually running their businesses properly. That's all it would take. They just, you know, if you don't have the money to pay somebody, don't sign them. It's yeah, and salaries is where it starts because 90% of their, of their income goes on salaries. So like, yeah, even I, if it's not a cap, then they need to run it properly. I get what you're saying. I've, I've, seen, a lot of, I've seen a lot of criticism of players this, this week as well in terms of players are part of the reason driving this up. And that is true because players are there saying, I want more salary, letting their contracts expire so they can negotiate better deals. There is a bit of that. But the clubs, how many players are there around the world? You know, they're being manipulated by an individual, an agent. Show some backbone. You have multi-billion-pound businesses. You know, look at what Leicester do. Look at what Sheffield United did, did. You don't have to spend stupid amounts of money to go and uh, to go and succeed in football. They just choose to. I find it hard to to blame players because if they're if they've got some some rich Russian guy or Arab guy who wants to pay them half a million pound a week to play football, well then they're not going to turn around and say no. They're just going to negotiate and get. They, 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 like if you go to your boss and ask for a salary increase, then it's up to them if they say yes or no, isn't it? It's not... A, yeah. it's, so, like, I mean, I, I get... I but, get... There is, but we talk about greed, Alex. Greed of businesses is fine, but what about greed of individuals? Because, you know, I, I, I was again, I was listening to, on Talk Sport, I think it was Andrew Townsend was on, and he was like, I don't really care as long as I get my 60 grand or whatever he said. And I was just like... <laughs> You know, we're talking about amounts of money that they're getting paid a week, which most people take two, three years to earn. The average person takes two, three years to earn. And they're holding out on contracts, you know, all these add-ons, all these all these negotiation tactics, you know, run at Pogba, you know, seeing running the contract down, they'll probably just sign a huge contract. A Bamiyang, huge amounts of money, and then doesn't come out and play. There's a lot of greed, individuals, you know, the whole thing is about greed. And we can, you can't, yes, I don't blame players specifically, because of course, every single person is going to look after themselves. But it's also unfair to say the players shouldn't shoulder some of the blame. You can't say one individual player, but the players as a whole have helped driving the price. Up. It's the whole thing around football. They need to put it, and that's probably why you're right with the wage cap. They need to put it in. I want to uh, touch on UEFA now, Tom, because you mentioned them a few times there. Um, what do you make of this new Champions League format? Is it any different to what's what's bit well? It's well. I'd say let Tom catch it. Let Tom catch a breath, Colin. Come on, let him oh. catch a breath. <laughs> he, he's on a run. I've got to let him go. Um, yeah, this format <laughs> of the Champions League. What do you make of it? That's fucking bollocks, isn't it? It's absolutely bollocks. And um, look, I, I, again, it goes back to that. There's going to be teams qualifying that haven't earned it. But just because you were good, even just because you were good the year before, like a, two years prior, it doesn't mean that you deserve to somehow just automatically qualify for a tournament. The whole point, and this is why I think the reaction to this Super League was so bad, and this is probably why I actually think it will carry on into the new setup for the, uh, the, the Champions League, and I think that will get overturned. It's it's not based on anything. It's just, you know, you, you've got some history. You've got some, you were used to be good. That's, that's not how you qualify for sporting events, you know. 
I don't think um, there's many other sports where that happens apart from, you know, American sports, which is no surprise where this has come from, American businessmen leading the way at Manchester United and Liverpool. And I think, to be honest, that I, I think that that will get overturned. I don't think, I, I can't see that that new Champions League format goes through. I think it's going to change. Um, but there is going to have to be some concessions for the big clubs. Let's not kid ourselves. It'll go through. Hardly see anyone kicking off about it. And it's uh, it's, it's, it's took the whole it's took the whole of football to stop this thing. And I'll be honest, I've I've seen some people kicking off, but nowhere near to the extent. The, easy, the reason I think it'll kick off is because all these guys, all these board members at these clubs, have left the ECA, and the ECA is now left with all the people that weren't involved in that, and they're all now pushing to get that format overturned because it doesn't benefit any of them. It benefits the clubs that just fucking pissed everyone off. So this is why this whole thing was a disaster. It had to. It had to work. They had to be certain it was going to work. Otherwise, they destroyed their reputation. They destroyed the negotiation power. And they completely, completely fucked it. Completely yeah. fucked it. I can, I can imagine a lot of Leeds fans, if this was 20 years ago, are so buzzing because you'd have probably been in every season, though. Yeah. Right? But, uh, well, but that's the whole point I've been making this week, right? I've been listening to people say, don't punish the fans. Don't punish the fans. Why the fuck not? I was punished for 16 years as a Leeds fan because some idiot overspent. I didn't know he was overspending. I couldn't see his accounts. So what, nobody was crying for Leeds United when we went into the League One. You know, I, I, I just find it ridiculous. I understand it's not the fans' fault, and I sympathise. I sympathise with you, Alex, and I sympathise with you, Cully, what you said at the start. I understand all of that. I, I really do. But why the fuck should they not be punished? Get the points deducted. I, I think they it's should, ridiculous. It should 100% be punished. And this is what we were chatting about earlier. Um, there is no... Well, there might be a minority of fans that say, no, don't punish the clubs. I mean, because the fans didn't do anything, the players didn't do anything, the team didn't do anything. But they should 100% be punished. There should be bans, there should be fines, there should be everything. What I want to talk about now is the fans. Scott, you said that... that um, I can't remember what you said now, actually. But the fans, it could be a platform, can't they? About change uh, the powers that be UEFA FIFA Premier League clubs surely now that we've stopped this we can go further and we can we can stop the UEFA doing this Champions League format we can stop FIFA giving tickets to half the the capacity st- uh, stadiums when there's the finals are between two teams and they're giving the the tickets to sponsors and and the commercial partners and and everything uh, we can we can stop the Premier League from giving us kickoff times are, are completely useless, sending us all the way down to I don't know Portsmouth on a on a half twelve kickoff uh, from all the way from Leeds or something. If, if for example, we can stop this, can't we? Surely we can rise up now. No, definitely not. Um, th- there's been one thing which has united united everyone in the last week, and it's just a collective anger. A massive, massive, monumental change. Where not we would have, we've never seen a change like this ever in football. Um, there's not many people that have, and people are terrified of change. And this was all for the wrong reasons. So, are people going to be rallying around about half twelve kickoffs as a football league fan? Honestly, couldn't care less if your team's playing at half twelve. Honestly, couldn't. It's whatever, deal with it. It's Sky. I'm going to be watching the game on Sky. I love an early kickoff. So, no, it's not. Um, there might be some passion about this new Champions League format. There's going to be nowhere near the uproar than there was about this one because actually the, the teams are still going to be in it. It's going to be a little bit different, um, but it will still it will still happen because 
it took a collective, everybody, everybody, all the public, all we talked about for three, four days was that. All we talked about, it was on BBC News. It was the headline act on BBC News. So what that the kickoff times aren't going to be doing that. Gary Neville's not going to be kicking off on Monday Night Football about that. So it's not because at the end of the day, money still does talk. And we we do need, at the end of the day, these things to be in place because for the game we love to be ran the way it is. So no, yeah, I don't forget what the, No, what they've done really well and we're trying to implement the Champions League, this new new format, is that is what they, they haven't... What they were doing with the Super League was they were taking away the opportunity to sit at the big table and participate in the big competition and they were going to make it a closed shop. Whereas with the new format of the Champions League, all they're actually doing is saying, you guys all still have the same chance of qualifying, don't worry about it, but we're going to guarantee that a few of us, big boys, are going to play along with you and we're going to get our percentage of the funds. So that's that's why this Champions League will get through. It's what you shouldn't, but I bet you it will. And I'll just, I'll, just before we move on, it's true what Scott said, you know, you're probably not going to carry the same amount of rage through and it will ebb because actually it ended so quickly. But all I would say is join your club trust, join the FSA and join the ESA, the European Sports Associations, because, you know, on the back of this, I've joined all three of those. It's really important as football fans, you go and do that because if this actually enrages you, even if you're not going to do anything, even if you're not going to be active in those groups, just join it because numbers matter to those groups because they can then say we represent X amount of fans. So that's all I'd say. Just join join your trust, join the, the Football Sports Association, join the European Sports Association. That's the best we can do. Well said. Um, well, I'll close this this chapter off for this week, I'm sure. It'll rumble on and on over the coming weeks, even though it's supposedly fallen through. But uh, Mr Florentino Perez himself has said today that it's, uh, it's only a stall, so... Um, we've probably got more of this to come in the future. What I would say is that we need to realise as well that the people fighting for us in, in this um, are not football uh, football fans. They don't they don't care about the, the fans of football. UEFA, FIFA, Premier League, they're, they're all the same. They're all bad guys, and we we need to unite and stop these things happening. Uh, right, okay. I'm sure um, everyone wants a bit of a lighter note. Uh, we're going to round up the championship now, and um, here's Scotty. Are you saying the championship's a bit of a joke there, Clee? Is that why it's a light and out? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Properly. <laughs> Perfect. No, yeah, no. Proper football. Um, it's nice to get away from it, isn't it, after all that? Uh, so, yeah, busy, 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 busy yet again. So, keeping me on my toes this week. So, we're going to start, like you say, with the championship um, at the weekend as well. And Norwich City did it. So, congratulations to them. The game promotion without even kicking a ball. It's Brentford and Swansea both failed to win in the early kickoffs. So well done to Daniel Farker and his team. It shows really good resilience to straight uh, bounce straight back. The question is, will they survive this time around? Those draws for Swansea and Brentford gave Watford a massive chance to inch one step closer to automatic promotion, a chance they could not take as they lost 1-0 to Luton. Bournemouth took full advantage of a no-doubt preoccupied Norwich team beating them 3-1 to keep them in the playoffs alongside Barnsley, with Reading looking at hustling their way into the mix. At the bottom, Wickham and Chef Wednesday could only draw, which is really not good enough for either of them at this stage of the season. We mentioned Rotherham last week and their three games in hand. They did lose last Thursday and again at the weekend, but they do have games in hand on Derby, who will be worryingly looking over their shoulders. 
Moving on to the midweek fixtures, and there was intense pressure at the foot of the table. A last-minute Akin Fenwa goal, his first ever goal in the Championship, gave Wickham all three points to give them a sliver of hope. Sheffield Wednesday also won to keep them in contention as well. Rotherham and Derby both lost, so it's really looking like three from them four teams now. At the top, Watford beat Norwich to move them to within one win from promotion. Bournemouth made it seven league wins in a row, really hitting form when it matters. Swansea, Brentford and Barnsley all but one win away from securing their playoff spots, with Reading the only team now left with an outside chance. Looking ahead to the weekend, game of the weekend for me, Barnsley against Rotherham. A win for Barnsley, like we said, could almost guarantee their playoff spot. What an unbelievable season this has been for them, by the way. Rotherham really need them three points to hunt down Rooney's Derby County. One for the Acker, QPR versus Norwich, both teams to score. QPR in the last, have scored in the last 12 of their 13 games. Norwich have scored in 14 of their last 15 games. Now, a quick talking point this week for you boys. Um, obviously, Norwich bounced straight back up. Watford looking like they're bouncing straight back up. Bournemouth potentially bouncing straight back up. So, it really just gets you thinking a little bit about these yo-yo clubs. So, um, over to you, lads. Starting with you, Alex. Um, who springs to mind when we think of Premier League yo-yo clubs? I'm going to go with the topical Watford. Um, they are the yo-yo club. I think they've been up and down three or four times uh, since the Premier League. Uh, what well, since 1999, I think, when they were first put up there and first got promoted uh, originally. And uh, Watford are always entertaining. They've had, I think, 172 managers this year. I, I don't know. They've had a lot of managers. Um, so they're always entertaining to watch. And they'll probably continue to go up and down because I can't see how that whole business model is remotely sustainable. So, yeah, Watford's my pick. It's a good shout. And uh, like you said, they just chop and change for fun, don't they? So I'm interested who will be there next season because it won't be the current manager. Um, over to you, Tom. Who springs to mind? It's got to be West Brom, hasn't it? I mean, West Brom should just change their name to Yo-Yo Albion. I mean, they're up and down all the time, constantly. Um I don't know what else there is to say on West Brom. They just—they're um, that club, a bit similar to Norwich. That you know they're just never going to last. They're never going to last. So um, just similar to how Norwich going back down. See you, West Brom. You know, see you. See you a year again. I don't know. They just bought that. <laughs> what, what, what more is there to say on West Brom? I've got a question for you, Tom. As a as a fan of one Shoot. of these clubs, would you prefer to be every season sitting lower mid table of the Premier League? like, a, I guess, a palace has been for the last few seasons, or one that's battling relegation, but then also really battling promotion every season, so you're constantly on the edge of your seat. What would you prefer? Having lived through just about every single emotion a football fan can in the last 16 years in terms of relegations, playoffs, you know, all that kind of stuff, lower Premier League. Because as much as, yeah, you want the excitement... <laughs> It's not fun. It's not fun. The football means a lot to us, doesn't it? Football means a lot to us. My football club, Leeds, means a lot to me. And seeing them struggle, seeing them go down and back up. It's and probably for a West Brom and Norwich fan, every time you go, you're just like you can't get that yeah. excited. Well, you just don't know how far you're gonna fall as well. Norwich fell down, didn't they? Chef Chef United, um Leeds United, of course. So yeah, um fair play, good answer. Cully, finally with you, mate. Uh, you mentioned them, they're going to go up this season, um, Norwich, um, pretty much because I just like this style of football every time they come up. <coughs> they don't uh, try and um, 
play good, uh, play boring football, play good football. Apologies for the cough. Um, yeah, and they're always the same. I think it's four four promotions, four relegations the last decade for the, for them now. Uh, I really hope they do well because I like some of their players, I like Cantwell, like Pukki, like Brandia, uh, playing really good style, like the manager as well. Um, and yeah, Tom, the, the actual nickname of West Brom is Boing Boing Baggies for that very reason, just FYI. Exactly. I knew, you see, I knew I'd heard it. Thank you. There you go. I thought it was uh, Boiler Boiler Baggies after the mascot, but anyway. Oh, God, know. that was awful. But yeah, still Norwich. A mas- right? Still a mascot. <laughs> <laughs> and let's not forget Nor- Daly Smith at Norwich. You know, she's she great. deserves she cook some great pies. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Let's be having it. Great sure. moment. Great Premier League moment. Right, well, any anyone's we've missed out there, please, Instagram, Twitter, you know the score. You know what to do. Slide in. Oh, back to you, Cully. Cheers, mate. Um, yeah, proper football uh, in the Championship, mate. I didn't mean as, it, as a joke beforehand. Don't worry about that. Uh, right. Uh, that's, a, difference... that's a Liverpool, that's a Liverpool issue. <laughs> any, anything lower than the Premier League. Yeah, dis- oh, dismissed. The jokes have started already. The jokes dismissed. It's too soon. Dismissed. Right. Um... <laughs> Alex, you're in a bit of a different slot this week, mate. We're going to talk some fantasy football. What have you got for us this week, pal? I considered not talking about any of the so-called big six, but you know what? I'm going to I'm going to cover off fantasy football because there was attack and attack on ruining fantasy football and taking teams out of it, and it's it survived. So I'm buzzing. So. Week top performers with one game left to play last year against West Brom. We had the double game weekers of Kane and Son, 12 points each. And Gareth Bale got his nine points. Obviously, Kane got his injury, so only featured once. Mason Greenwood, 15 points, two goals. That's four goals and one assist in his last three games now for Mason. The uh, great young English talent who should be in the England squad, Tom. 15 points for Sigurdsson with two goals. 11 points for Bernardo Silva with two assists to build on his one that he got against Leeds. That's three assists in two games for Bernardo. And 10 points for Lorente, who got his goal against Liverpool. And Matt Ritchie, who got two assists versus West Ham. Lads, on to your reviews. Tom, I'm going to come to you first. Triple captain on Son, a 24-point swing with that last-minute penalty. An amazing week in the end because of that. You're on 84 points with one player left to play, which is Ian Acho tonight. And even before Trent comes off your bench, your game week rank in the world is 61,000 out of 8 million managers, which is your best so far this season. And you're nearly inside the top million for the first time this year. How do you feel? Dog us through your game week. Great, isn't it? Absolutely great. Uh, honestly, Son triple captain. I was so devastated because I, I obviously everyone went Kane. What was it? I saw the numbers for the top ten thousand, something like ninety eight percent of his effective his his effective ownership across the whole game was over two hundred percent. Yeah, so the Kane was the obvious choice, right? And the first game, I was like, oh my god, what have I done? What have I done? But you have to gamble, and unfortunately, the gamble didn't really pay off because. Yeah, okay, Son got some points, but he got the same as Kane, so it wouldn't have mattered whether, whether I'd gone Son or Kane in the end. Um, but, yeah, that th- when he scored the first goal and then it got ruled out for offside, I was I was, I was, was obviously celebrating at that point. Uh, and Scott straight away was just like, that's going to be ruled out. Uh, and it was. And then, yeah, to come away with that last-minute penalty, oh, my God. And uh, I think you said Son's not scored a penalty. Something like that. I don't, so, um, I don't think he's ever scored a penalty in the Premier League, to be honest. I don't think he's ever had the chance to take one. So I was panicking for that as well. But yeah, brilliant in the end. And yeah, really happy. Uh, it's just some solid players in there. Lingard picking up points. And I mean, Mora did nothing for me, so that gamble didn't pay off. 
Um, yeah, like I say, Trent, I've got a bit lucky there with Creswell injured and as for Laquette not playing, so getting those points. Um, but yeah, really happy, really, really happy. And hopefully, if Ian Archer does well, I could reach 90 points this week. Well, uh, it's on. Uh, Mora did get an assist, mate. So you know, he did he did all right. But yes, you were. Uh, yeah, you've had a, such a, a smash yeah, he week. Yeah. Um, he, he had that shot that got deflected to Bale. Yeah, um, yeah, I forgot. But yeah, great week, great week for you. Uh, Cully coming to you. No chips played. Seventy-two points with Ianacho left. Another classic from you, Cully. Another four-point hit taken this week. Wouldn't be you if he didn't do that, would it? Um, but it's looking like your third green arrow in a row. <laughs> Yeah, it's been all right. Um, just a solid week. I think like the 98% or whatever Tom said of the percentage was about for Kane captains, I picked Kane as captain. The defence was solid for me. Uh, three out of my four back four as clean sheets. Trent got an assist as well. Oh, sorry, Trent got the, the assist instead of a clean sheet, so that made up for that. Rudiger, clean sheet. Patricio, clean sheet. Um, but yeah, it looks like Fernandez is, uh, Bruno Fernandez has fallen off a cliff in point scoring recently. Might take him out next week, not going to lie. Um, uh, but yeah, apart from that, solid. Nice, nice. Scott, uh, come to you. Um, your bench boost played, you had big issues. Uh, Mendy, Aspilicueta and Forster all uh, got rotated um, and Phillips was injured. Just, uh, just two points from your outfit players on your bench boost. Um, but a green arrow overall, and you still have Castagna and Ianacho to play, and you are uh, overall ranked looking at being in the top 200,000 for the first time this season. I know compared to our mini-league, you didn't have the best week, but overall, still a green arrow against the rest of the game. Talk us through your week. Yeah, a bit of a nightmare. Um, yeah, I just had a bit of a meltdown yesterday, if I'm honest, about fantasy football. Never, never used to affect me, but when you start doing well, it does. Yeah, not good when you can't even sub your keeper out for another keeper. Um yeah, look, on paper, a very good week to do my bench boost. It started well as well. Connor Cody, seven points. I was extremely happy. And then dropped, 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 dropped. Um, so, yeah, crap. I need Castagna just to probably get a hat-trick tonight. And then we're back on track. <laughs> you had the same issues as I did. I had both my keepers dropped. 79 points myself. I've got Ian Acho left to play. I had no goalkeeper play myself. I uh, used my triple captain on Kane. I'm up to 146,000 overall ranks. So best of the season so far. And I want to get myself up into that top 1% if I can do as soon as I can. Um, getting on to some uh, news now. So uh, I've been asked about the injuries uh, and I think pay it, which have happened over the past uh, week or so. Pay attention to the press conferences tomorrow. Uh, but I'm talking, looking at selling or holding these players. Um, Kevin De Bruyne looks like it's going to be a few weeks. Um, and even if he does come back, when he does come back, he'll probably be safe for the Champions League. So from a fantasy perspective, probably sell. Uh, Lacazette, maybe give him a week, hold him for a week and then see if he's fit to play against Newcastle the week after. So I'm going to hold on to him. Danny Ings can't shoot a football without pulling a hamstring, so sell him, dear God. Um, hold on to St. Maximan and Phillips, probably because they're pretty cheap. And they're probably enabling you. And uh, the big one, obviously, hold on to Harry Kane and see if he manages to play in the cup final. Um, the goalkeeper issue I was asked about, what do I do? Mendy, Forster, Leno all drop this week. Um, there aren't many great keeper options for the rest of the season. Probably the best one's Allison. Um, but the next short-term uh, results, short-term picks probably are Roberto Sanchez, Rui Patricio and Kasper Schmeichel. They all have decent fixtures over the next three weeks. Um, and then maybe look at Meslier uh, towards the back end of the season because Leeds' fixtures take a, take a positive turn. But don't panic too much. I think Mendy will probably be back in uh, against West Ham. Uh, Kepa was just sort of given a, a free run out. Bless him. Uh, transfer options I was asked how do I break the template 
that everyone seems to have in terms of midfield. Um, and funnily enough, Cully, you mentioned about Bruno Fernandes. I was looking at players you could lose from the template. So Bruno was one of them. He's not done too well over the last few weeks. Jota as well, potentially. And even I'd go as far to say maybe even Hyungmin Son, you could potentially look at moving him on. And the players you could bring in that are differentials. Mason Greenwood at 3.1% owned, obviously mentioned him previously. James Madison, just over 5% owned. Jared Bowen at 2.9% owned. Traore, just over 5% owned. He's got three attacking returns in his last three games after getting nothing all season. And maybe even Cavani. Um, And if you really want to gamble, you could go on Tuchel Roulette, that is the new version of Pep Roulette, and maybe even look at Havertz or Pulisic. Um, Or if you want to, and you've got really bad gambling problems, maybe even look at Sadio Mane, who's less than 5% owned. But, you know, you'd have to have some real bad gambling problems to go there this season. Uh, People to bring in if you're looking at your next three games. Yeah, Wolves, Brighton, Leicester. And for the rest of the season, probably uh, Arsenal. Don't look too far past Saka and Smith-Rowe. I think they'd be quite good shouts. And even maybe even Martinelli. And then obviously Liverpool players and maybe even Man United for the rest of the season. Um, One of the questions I got asked, which was, should I use my free hit this week or should I save it for potential blanks and double game weeks so strap yourselves in because this is what is the news that isn't confirmed yet but could happen etc etc so game week 37 looks like it's being moved to the midweek after when it should have happened so it will merge with coronavirus restrictions so it'll be after May the 17th so every every team should have a home game with fans. So that's that's why they're looking at moving that. And because, funnily enough, TV rights and money, which is very topical, would mean that Game Week 36 has to move to that weekend. So the weekend where Game Week 37 would have been. So the fixtures have to move, and Game Week 36 then would clash with the FA Cup final. So the long story short of this is, is that Man United, uh, Leicester, Chelsea and Arsenal look like they're going to blank in game week 36. And the only space for them to move to is game week 35. So it looks like they'll have double game week in 35 and a blank in game week 36. And the kicker again is we've got two fixtures still to fit in, which is Villa against Everton and Southampton against Crystal Palace. So all of these fixtures, the only space to fit these fixtures into seems to be game week 35. So we're looking at a decent-sized eight-team double game week in 35. So if you can manage to pull out a good team this week anyway without using your free hit, probably worthwhile saving it for game week 35 and just making sure that you don't have too many players from those blank teams in for game week 36. It's all to be confirmed, but it looks highly likely because it looks like the restrictions are going to get eased as they would do with COVID and everything else that's going really well with the vaccination programme and everything else. And also... Um, it looks like that that's the only space to fit the games in, basically. So that's the news you need to look at. So uh, Scott, for example, you've got the free hit left. I thought you were a good example. You've got Mendy, Castagna, Aspilicueta, Mount Fernandez, and Ian Acho. So you've got six players from those teams that will blank in your squad at this very moment in time. Probably look at your next couple of free transfers, reducing that down to having four of those players in your team, just whichever ones you want to go, doesn't matter, because you can bench all four of those in that game week, in game week 36, when it's a blank. And then game week 35, you can just go to town and free hit all over the double game week. And hopefully that'll be a good differential for those guys who still have that chip left. For all of you guys who don't have a chip left, just do not overload on players uh, from the teams that are going to blank. Um, and that's the, the the best bit of advice I can I can give. But it, it's it's probably ninety percent going to happen. 
judging by the the the, the, the TV and the, and how things are going with COVID. So bear that in mind. Um, final points, captains of this week. Um, if you are looking at free hitting, then uh, Ian Acho against Palace, Trent Jota or Salah against Newcastle, and then Bruno or Greenwood against Leeds, I think are probably the best shouts in terms of captaincy. Don't forget um, that Man City, Spurs, Fulham and Southampton all don't have a game this week. And the deadline is this Friday at 6.30 before Arsenal play Everton. And I hope I didn't lose you or blow your mind with that at the end. No, you didn't. I just have uh, one comment there, though, Alex. Are you really recommending we get Arsenal assets in at this point? I mean, Smith-Rowe, Saka, I think Arsenal look a better team with those guys in it. And looking at the injuries, and the other thing is Arsenal's fixtures are pretty unbelievable. So I think if you're looking for differentials, Smith-Rowe, he's like 4.2 million, dirt cheap. I mean, he's a, he's a safe enough gamble. Martinelli, I think, is 4.9 or 5.1. Saka's 5.1. So your advice, to, your advice to all listeners is Bruno out, Smith Rowe in, right? <laughs> My advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do, do, you know, do you know what? If you, if you want to be, if you want to be different, yeah, do it. If you want, if you've got some, if you've got some ground to make up, why not? The, the, the one player I'm bringing in this week is probably Mason Greenwood, and the other player I've said it on the last podcast. I'll say it on. I'll say it again and again and again. I really like the look of Jared Bowen, and I think he's going to be a, a good differential to look at bringing in if you're looking to climb a few mini leagues. And like I said, gambling problems go Marnie. Gambling problems. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't pick Marnie this season, 100%. Uh, right, cheers, Al. Six games to go. It's all getting very serious at the business end of fantasy football. Right, some more proper football now. And it's the EFL roundup with Scotty. Perfect. It's all getting very serious in the EFL. Um, so we'll start with League One. Uh, Hull won again at the weekend to take them to touching distance to the championship. Peterborough looked red-hot favourites to join them as they won while Sunderland lost a playoff chase in Blackpool and failed to score for the first time in 27 games. One for the Acker fans will know all about that. Sorry about that. Uh, Oxford United won their third straight game to keep them in the playoffs. Donny finally managed to win to keep them in with a slim chance of those playoff places. At the bottom, Rock Bottom Swindon lost their fifth straight game with manager John Sheridan resigning with them seven points off safety. Bristol Rovers and Northampton both lost, while Rochdale won back-to-back games, and Wigan and AFC Wimbledon made it free in the bounce to keep them outside of the bottom four going into these midweek fixtures. So into midweek, and leaders Hull drew with third-place Sunderland, and with second-place Peterborough losing, it means Hull are now just one win away from promotion. Five of the bottom six all won midweek, which meant a loss for Joey Barton's Bristol Rovers, has all but relegated them. Barton claiming they've gone down with a whimper. Game of the weekend, Hull versus Lincoln. A win in a local derby for Hull will mean promotion. But Lincoln needs to keep winning to give them any hope of an automatic promotion. One for the Acker, Oxford United versus Plymouth over 2.5. Oxford's last seven, all over 2.5. Three of Plymouth's last four, all over 2.5. And finally into League Two. Cambridge won at the weekend to remain top of the league. Inconsistent Cheltenham lost but remained second as Bolton succumbed to the shock result of the weekend, losing to Rock Bottom Grimsby. Morecambe won a seven-goal thriller to take them one point from the automatic promotion places. As mentioned, Grimsby gave themselves a glimpse of survival of a brilliant win against Bolton. Southend drew and Colchester finally won a game of football. They beat Walsall 2-1 to give them their first win in 11 games and inch them towards safety. 
into midweek and wins for Cambridge and Cheltenham mean they're just one win away from promotion. Southend lost and will be down on Saturday if they fail to win. Grimsby lost as well and will be all but down if they don't pick up three points. Game of the weekend, third place Bolton versus fourth place Markham. Massive game with both teams looking for automatic promotion. One for the Acker, Oldham versus Grimsby, over 1.5. 22 goals in Oldham's last four games, average of over five per game. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Got to bang them on. And that's it for me this week. Back to you, Cully. Thanks, mate. Um, yeah, competition and jeopardy for teams. Uh, what we love to see, eh? Uh, right, we're going to finish off with some quick fire, as always. Um, for that, I'm going to pass you over to Tom. Cheers, Cully. Um, I'm going to shoot straight back over to you, uh, Scotty. And I've just got one question for you. One word question. Mourinho, question mark. Yeah, it was a bit sad to see him go. I love Mourinho. I love what he brings to the Premier League. Um, and I, I really warmed to him watching that documentary. He does play pretty boring football, doesn't he? Let's be honest. So, yeah, what's he, where's he going to go next? I hope he goes back to the Sky Sports studio. I thought he came across really well as a pundit. So I would love to see that. Um, I just hope his next job, he gets his mojo back a bit. Prime Mourinho is brilliant to, brilliant to watch. And his banter with like Wenger and other managers second to none. So hope we see him again. He's doing the rounds in the Premier League. So probably end up at like Arsenal next, I guess. What did Levy expect? I don't understand. What did he expect? Mourinho's got the fourth most amount of points in the Premier League since he started. He's got them to their sixth cup final in 21 years. He plays boring football. He's a miserable man at times anyway. What did Levy expect? Levy got exactly what Mourinho delivers and then sacked him for it. I think Mourinho was, I think Mourinho was hoping for it. I think Levy was hoping for a trophy, sorry. I think that's exactly right. We've got a chance next week to get that. I'm not saying they should have sacked him, but I'm saying that's why Levy hired him, right? Because he wanted, he, he wanted Spurs to get over that hurdle of winning a trophy. Probably thought he was going to be the one to win him the uh, European Super League, didn't he? That's probably what he wanted. Yeah. Well, speaking about the Super League, oh. we've got our first proper Super League game at the weekend. City versus Spurs. Oh, no, wait, it's not in the Super League, sorry. But it is the final. Um, Mason uh, taking over for Spurs. Do you think they've got a chance, Alex? Yeah, absolutely. Um, do I think they'll win? No, but I think they've got a chance. Um, if Harry Kane's fit in particular, yeah. Uh, look at that front three. If a manager got it like behind them and got them clicking, like Mora, Ali, obviously, whichever in that 10, Bale, Son, then you've got Kane. Uh, you know, if they can get that defence. So look at Eric Dyer. No, I can't even say that. But still, yeah, they've got a team that's got the potential of winning any game of football. So I don't think they'll win. But why not? I think they've got a chance. They banter, wasn't it? Yeah, they were all... They were awful in the first half under him, but quite good in the second. So, obviously, the team talk did bits, and Gareth Bale said the team talk was excellent. So, interesting. Uh, Cully, top four. It suddenly matters again. Uh, who's going who's gonna to finish in that top four? Does it? Does it matter? I mean, honestly, I've never... Two weeks ago, I was desperate not to finish in the Europa League. I was absolutely desperate to finish not in the Europa League, but I'm just so glad that we're not doing the Super League that I don't care where we finish anymore in the league. I just want the season to be over with and let's just get on with next season and, and put it all over. Nonsense. nonsense. What a load of absolute nonsense. No, do you know what? I, it's a good point because even even though it wasn't my club involved, when Leeds played Liverpool while that was all going on, 
I didn't enjoy it one one bit because it felt like it wasn't worth anything. So I, I'm with Colin on that one. I it watched kind of the um, I, I, for the first time during the game. I was on my phone. I'm never on my phone during Liverpool games. I was I was on my phone distracted watching the watch along from Redmond TV, and I was just, and they were just talking about the Super League, and that was just pure focus for about two and a half days, and. I'll be honest, I think Leicester and Chelsea will, will be the ones to finish in top four. I hope Leicester and West Ham do it, because obviously Chelsea are the one of the teams that went to go in the Super League. I hope they do it and, get, and do it proud in, in the Champions League next year. But if I'm honest about my own club, I don't care. I just just finish the season. If we finish in the Europa League final, we'll play in the Europa League. Yeah, I, I wasn't on my phone. I, I wasn't on Tinder like some. But um, I... Uh... <laughs> I thought they showed a bit of passion for a change, Liverpool. So maybe it's what they wanted, needed. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, let's just sack off the Super League again and <laughs> talk a bit about non-league, uh, Scott, because that was what was at threat. So the the non-league restructure was. Uh, I'm assuming it was passed today, but I know it was. Um, it was on the docket. Uh, but what's the reasoning behind it? And the benefits and. Um, what what kind of what kind of change does that bring about? Yeah, so I'm not sure if it's signed, sealed, and delivered yet. It's something that they've been talking about for last year or so. It should have come in this season. Um, COVID postponements have um, hampered that. It's just that the, a restructuring of the lower league, so in the football league, basically. So they're adding an extra division in. So what it does, it, it keeps the integrity of those really low clubs down the pyramid. But those that have got the um, the hunger and the desire to go higher up, they're adding that extra leading. It's essentially less traveling for the clubs which should result, obviously, in more expenditure for those with the lofty ambitions to go up. So it's adding that extra lead to keep those clubs, when you go further up, a little bit closer together. Um, and, yeah, it just, just gives everyone a better chance. The way they're doing it, the way they're restructuring it is a lot of clubs will be getting promoted. Um, they've been looking at, obviously, they've not had a league this season, so they've been looking back to half the season last season and the season before. So, yeah, it, it, it sounds good and something that, you know, real football fans can appreciate, I'm sure. Good, that sounds like a positive change for once. So that's good to hear. Um, Super League, I can't get away from it, but as soon as one story ends, it's the European Super League, and now we're talking about the British Super League, because as soon as that one was squashed, it seems like there's now talks of Rangers and Celtic being pulled into the Premier League. Alex, totally hypocritical, isn't it, if we do that? I mean, they're just going to be popped into the Premier League, apparently an 18-team Premier League. Who's getting relegated? Who's making way for Celtic and Rangers? Do they not have to earn their place in the Premier League like everybody else does? Yeah, it's complete nonsense. Why do they get to skip the Championship or anything else? Like, I just don't understand. They, they just get put straight into... I mean, they've, they've not been great clubs for years. So, I don't, don't really understand it. They play in, in, in the Scottish League and, you know, I'm probably one of the only ones here that watches Scottish football, but it's crap. And um, some of the guys in the, the teams towards the bottom, I mean, they, they, they're getting paid anything from a thousand pound, five hundred pound a week, some of the guys who are even in the Premier League. You know, it, it's not it's not even remotely close as a league to the Premier League. It's not even it doesn't even scratch the surface. So all it'll do is ruin Scottish football completely because they bring all the money in. It'll uh, like exactly what we were talking about with the Super League of ruining everything down the pyramid of English football. And it'll ruin all of these clubs. And some of these clubs that are in Scottish leagues, you know, your Elgin, Elgin Cities, you know, for an example, just because they're local to where my uh, family used to live up there. Um, they're very, very vital, their income on a Saturday, just to that town itself and all of the local businesses. It, 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 if if they go, let's not, if, if, well, I'm going even further into this, but 
honestly, it will not just ruin Scottish football. There will be a hell of a lot of ramifications down through localised communities, and it'll be horrendous. It can't happen. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I think most people would probably agree with you. Rangers and Celtic fans probably want to make the move, but I don't think it, it's right or appropriate. The only way to do that would be to merge all the leagues and put everyone into a pot, but that's never going to happen. Um, just before I pass back over to Cully to wrap us up, just one thing I'd like to mention, because I've mentioned the football associations, but Ian Burns has put an early day motion for, to Parliament uh, for a, to basically give some legs to this fan-led review and force them to take significant action. Um, and you can help by writing to your MP and asking them uh, to support that motion. And just something I'll say is, don't believe Boris Johnson because he's made a big fuss about this and there's not a single Conservative signature to that deal yet. So get on it, sign it, write to your MP and uh, that's the only way we're going to get change. Thanks, Tom. I think, I think that's a, 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 just a really good point and something else I just wanted to say um, from my perspective uh, in terms of something I put to you boys in the WhatsApp group as well and a very good point that my lovely lady wife made to me and it's been great having all of our conversations and chats between us all over the past few days and obviously over the Super League and, and everything else that's come from it and I think we we all talk very heavily and passionately about football and everything else and and uh, and my wife said to me well you know what if you boys talk to each other more about how you actually feel and everything else that goes with it then then like you did about football then do you know what I think every every man would feel a bit more comfortable and open talking about their emotions and feelings and uh, and yeah to talking about the problems and everything else that comes with it so I just want all of us boys to make sure that we learn from this to talk to each other more. And I just thought it was a, an excellent point that she made and it really hit home with me. Well said, yeah, Alex. Well said, Georgia. Yeah, and if you can't do that with people or friends, you know, there's organisations like Andy Mann's Club, which are brilliant at that kind of thing as well. Spot on, Tom. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Honestly, that's uh, definitely a great sentiment and thing to say. Um Cheers, Tom, for that. Uh, right, let's call it a day there. Uh, very serious week in football. Um, but if you'd like to give us a follow on social media, you can do so. And all in football pod on Twitter, on Instagram, sorry, and all in football Pete on Twitter. If you're having a bet this weekend from um, Scott's uh, one for the uh, tips, please remember to gamble responsibly. But if you like me and fancy a little mini break from football <laughs> after a tumultuous week, enjoy the weather. Maybe watch the snooker instead. <laughs> and next week, hopefully, we'll be chatting about players of the season uh, and diversity in football. As we're supposed to this week, but. Um, the time being, have a great weekend. Enjoy whatever you do this weekend. Thanks for listening. See you later. And fuck Florentino Perez.